Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. All right, everybody. How are you? Doing good? You're awake? You're alive? That's, that's a good thing, right? You know, I, I'm hoping and praying that as we, uh, as a people, are surveying what's going on in our world, maybe for you, you know, just your immediate world, so your home, your workplace, your family, your relationships, but also the larger world, we continue to pray uh, with Ukraine, um, that you don't take for granted and take lightly that you woke up this morning, right? Like, let that humble you. Let that fill you with gratitude. You know, no matter what the rest of this day looks like, no matter any other piece, like, you have breath. You, you have, uh, you have, your eyes are working. Your, your mind is working. Like, you have life, everybody. So I hope that'll just kind of give us a little bit of uh, a gratitude in our hearts this morning, especially as we get into the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, if you're familiar with Ecclesiastes, man, you just know, like, this is, this is one of these books that might cause you to wonder, is this scripture? <laughs> Should this be here? Like, uh, and so we're going to read it together throughout this month, and, and I really am excited for it. Uh, Ecclesiastes is one of 66 books in the Bible. So if you're new to church or new to, to the Bible or God, the Bible is a collection of books. It's not just one singular book. It's 66 different pieces of writing, all different genres, written by more than 40 authors over the span of 3,000 years. And, and what we believe here, and what I like to say is, while men held the pen, God is the author. Right? God inspired people to write. But how beautiful, and here's what we're going to see, God inspired the authors to write, not the exact same way, although it's his word, but rather let their expression come through in the text. That's why we have poetry in scripture, we have history, we have narrative, we've, we've got prophecy, all these different forms of literature. And today we'll be in Ecclesiastes, which is one of three books of the Bible that are considered wisdom literature. Who here could benefit from being a little bit wiser today? I see some elbowing of some spouses who are looking at each other like, you need this, you gotta get some wisdom. All of us could benefit from a little more wisdom, so what we're going to do is we're going to read a piece of wisdom literature together throughout this month, and uh, it really is like no other book in Scripture. And so we're calling this Chasing the Wind, which would probably also work as a Netflix original title or some other form of media. Chasing the Wind, just kind of going after something that we can't seem to actually see and grasp. Ecclesiastes. So a little bit about the book before we jump in. And if you do have a Bible, I encourage you bring it with you and open up to Ecclesiastes now. We're going to start in chapter 1 in a few minutes. And if you don't own a Bible, we have them for you in the back. We'd love to give you one before you leave. But Ecclesiastes, uh, we don't know who wrote it. That's the first thing I want you to know. We don't fully know. The author never names himself in the text. If you were here last month, we read the letters of Paul, letters from prison, and in each one of those, we read the same phrase. I, Paul, prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, write to you. It's very clear to know the author. But in Ecclesiastes, it's not so clear. But we are introduced to two people. The author, the one who's doing the writing, and the teacher. Which, doesn't that sound so ominous and confusing? Who is the teacher? You're going to see as we start, we don't know quite for sure who the teacher is. Now, some would say that it's King Solomon based on the use of wisdom and life experience. 
but we just don't know. What we're going to find is the author starts the book in verse 1, and then we hear from the teacher for the next 12 and a half chapters, and then the author finishes up the book. Very, very interesting. Now, what's it all about? The book of Ecclesiastes is asking a question that you've asked before or that you have friends that are asking or that if you've never asked, trust me, you will ask at some point in your life. And here's the question. Does any of this matter? Is there any point or purpose to this? My job, my relationships. Why is life going this way? Life just feels like there's no rhythm to it. There's no pattern. I can't understand it. Life feels like it has no meaning. The teacher asks this question over and over and over again. Now, here's the frustrating part of Ecclesiastes. You don't get the answer. <laughs> the teacher just keeps asking and observing everything that's taking place in life and keeps saying, this doesn't make sense. This shouldn't happen. Why is it going this way? I was promised job security. Why did I lose my job? She said, I do, till death do us part. Why did she leave. I thought God would heal him. Why didn't he? Just over and over and over again, questions about life. So here's what we're going to discover together as we chase the wind for the next four Sundays. We are going to discover how to navigate life with unanswered questions. That is tempting. How do we actually navigate our lives, not despair, not live defeated, but how do we navigate our lives as followers of Jesus with unanswered questions? When you ask God, why is this happening? And the answer doesn't come. When you try your best to figure it out. We, we, we've used this phrase before here at Blaze Church. Don't prematurely assign meaning to what you're facing. Ah, this is why she was not healed. Ah, this is why I lost the job. Ah, no, no. What if you just have the tension of an unanswered question, and yet you can still live an abundant life? Mm, that's Ecclesiastes. We'll jump in. Uh, it starts off with what I would call a poem, and so we're going to read together 11 verses. It'll be a little lengthy, but I don't want to break up the poem. That's not fair to the teacher. And while the Bible that you may have may not have a subheading above this part, or there's no subheading given, if I were to name this poem, I would call this poem why bother? Written by the teacher. Okay, so here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Now, we'll just pause. There's some clues here which lead some to say, oh, it must be Solomon because son of David, king of Jerusalem. But we just don't know for sure. So I'm not going to just say it was Solomon. But as we work through the writing, you can make that assumption, and that's fine. It won't take away from the text. But now the author stops. And for the next 12 chapters, we get the words of the teacher. Or I think even better in Hebrew, it's Quoheleth, which is just all, here's Quoheleth, and all that the teacher has for us. So I'm going to invite you to read with me. Whenever you see yellow, you read yellow. Make sense? You can even yell the yellow if you want to. But here we go in verse 2. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're going to be having dinner with your family later. Like, what did you learn today at church? Everything's meaningless. <laughs> okay, here we go. We'll continue with the poem. It'll get brighter. Not really. Verse 3. 
What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes and ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Man, who invited this party pooper to church? Is there anything of which we can say, look, there is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here, before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. So before Jimmy Eat World and Dashboard Confessional, we have the original emo songwriter. <laughs> just, ex just laying it all out there. Man, life is rough. Life is genius. What is the point? And, and guys, let this not be lost on you. What we just read is what is considered scripture. Like God ordained for this text to be inspired and preserved and made canon. That's the word that in 300 something AD, they got the, okay, this is scripture. This is it. No more, no less. These 39 in the old, these 27 in the new. This is God-breathed scripture. And I'm sure there was a little debate like, hey, guys, what about Ecclesiastes? <laughs> do we keep that one? Like the one that starts off meaningless? Meaning, like, do it? Yeah, keep it. Why? It doesn't seem to do anything to push us towards God. So let's talk about it. The teacher. What is the teacher doing? As the teacher begins, the teacher's looking out and just observing things and saying, what's the point? the point that river is just gonna flow who cares go ahead get your canoe the river's not going anywhere the sun's gonna come up the sun's gonna go down it's gonna go around and around and around oh you think you heard a new song no it's not gonna satisfy you you're gonna see something new new movie it's not gonna matter it'll be old and then thanks so much teacher just remind us at some point you're gonna die and no one's gonna remember you let me prove it. Anyone here know the full name of their great-great-great-grandfather? Uh, what a pity. You're here because of him, everybody. <laughs> you don't even know his name. You're not going to be remembered. <laughs> so glad I'm in church today. This is awesome. So the teacher clearly did not wake up on the right side of the bed. Being very honest. The teacher is expressing things that we may be told, don't you dare say that. You can't look at life that way. You can't make observation and summarize that some things may just not make sense. They may be meaningless. And yet in Scripture, that's exactly what's being done for us. So what do we do with this? Well, first, we have to come to a conclusion together. Is what the teacher is saying true? Now remember, this is God's Word, so we believe all of God's Word is truth. It's God-inspired, but 
there are things in Scripture that are simply observatory as well uh, that we read take place. It doesn't mean that we, it's condoned as living. So let's talk about this. Is looking at life this way by saying, oh, yes, it is meaningless, the rivers run, and things just happen, and we can't control it. Is that actually fact about our lives? And I think we would all say, yes, that's true, right? Like, there are things that happen in your life that you just can't wrap your head around. There are things that happen in my life that I don't understand, that I did not plan for. Things don't always go how I expect them to. So if that is the case, our question this morning is, how do we then live? Because if this is it, what's the point? What Josh told us to rejoice always last week. Bro, you should have read Ecclesiastes. How am I supposed to rejoice always like this? Well, there's two clues in the text that we read, and I want to show them to you. How do we live with unanswered questions? How do we live in light of the truth that life at times feels like this? So let's go back to the first part, verse 2. Say it again with me, the yellow. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So what's the clue here? Well, the clue is found in the word in yellow, meaningless. However, we have to change the word. Now, I'm not changing scripture, but I'm going to teach you Hebrew this morning. So we have a more collective understanding of what this is as a group. What we translate into meaningless in our English language, and specifically in this translation of the Bible, the New International Version, you might find in a different translation, the English Standard Version, for example, the word vanity. Life is just vain. But again, it just feels pointless. It feels meaningless. It feels like there's no reason to it. But that is not the Hebrew word that is used when this was written. The Hebrew word, we're all going to learn Hebrew today, is the word havel. Let's say that with me, havel. Now, it's probably more chvel, but I don't want you spitting on your neighbor during this. Uh, so we'll just, we'll Long Island the word, havel. Now, when translators translate scripture from Hebrew or Greek, depending on the Old and New Testament, into English or Spanish or any language, they do their best to grasp the word in the original language, a decent word-for-word -word exchange. But it doesn't always come across well. And if they were to do a word-for-word -word exchange on this word, it would very much confuse us because here's simply what the word havel means. Smoke, vapor. So imagine if we said that. Smoke, smoke. Everything is smoke. <laughs> like, where? Like, does someone call the fire department? Like, we should do something about this. Right? So we wouldn't, we wouldn't fully get it, but that's what the word itself actually means, that... The teacher is telling us not, you have to understand this, not that life is meaningless, not that there's no point or purpose to it, but rather if I were to give you a word picture of what life often feels like and seems like, smoke, vapor. Another translated word would be enigma. It's a riddle. This just puzzles and question marks. and ha I can't figure this out. Now, I'm looking at this room, and it seems like none of you can figure this out either. So I'm going to demonstrate exactly what Havel looks like. I brought fire with me to church, everybody. I'm excited about this. Uh, any March birthdays in the room? My mother, my friend, Jerry. You're my friend, too, but you're not my mother. But it's also my birthday. 
in three weeks. So I'm glad that all of you guys have birthdays. But we are here today to celebrate my birthday because I have the fire and I have the microphone. And I figured, why not celebrate three weeks early? I mean, you only get one birthday once a year. So I'm going to demonstrate what Havel is. But if you blink, you'll miss it. Trust me. Okay? So you've seen this before. You've been Parties, anybody? Okay? Here we go. Now, in order for this to be real, you have to say happy birthday. So thank you. Watch. Did you see it? Havel. I feel like that went over your head. Let me do it again. I get church service didn't get it either, but you could do this too. Okay, ready? Thank you. Watch. Gone. Havel. One more time for good measure. Why not? I'm a size nine in shoes, large in shirts, everybody. Okay, here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to me. And Jerry and Josh and my mom. But mostly me. gone. Havel. When I think I've figured it out, when I think I can grab it, it's gone. It's temporary. It's fleeting. It's an enigma. It's vapor. It's smoke. And 38 times, more than any other word that's used in this book, 38 times the teacher says, do you know what life is? Havel. Do you know what Havel looks like in life? You've seen it. It's a good person that dies too young. It's when a wicked person prospers and no one seems to stop them. It's when you're promised job security and you show up and you're laid off. It's when you think you've got your finances in order and it crashes. And you didn't expect it and it's not fair and it shouldn't happen and you don't know what God's up to teacher says, Havel. It happens to all of us. How are we supposed to live when life is simply Havel? There's one more clue that will help us in the next verse. He says, what do people gain from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? Havel is used 38 times. Under the sun is used 29 times in this and what the teacher is telling us when he says under the sun is simply look around you. Everything around you, under the sun. Your work, your pleasure, your leisure, your rest, your relationships, your finances, under the sun, do you know what it is? Havel. You think you've got it. You go to grab it and hold on to it. And you open your hand and it's not there. Next week, Pastor Brian McMillan from Centerpoint Church is going to be preaching here. He's one of our overseers, and he's going to be preaching on pleasure. And the week after that, I'll be preaching on work and money and success. All of it's found in Ecclesiastes. Under the sun, pleasure. Some of you experienced this in 2020. You had a vacation planned. You had a wedding planned. And it was canceled. It was taken from you. What was that? Havel. Some of you have worked really, really hard in your careers. You put everything there. Your identity is even attached in what you do. And it could be gone like that. Havel. Under the sun, we experience Havel. And, and get this, following Jesus is not a safeguard from the Havel of life. You're still going to experience Havel. 
question comes, how do we experience it in a relationship with Jesus? How are we supposed to live with the Havel under the sun? H how do we go about this? We look around us and we see hardship. We see suffering. We see brokenness. We see devastation right now overseas. Why is this war taking place? Why are people being killed? It's Havel. Crooked, Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes 1.15, what is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. This is the part that really frustrates me and probably you. Why can't we do something about it? Why can't it be better? Why did she die? Why wasn't he healed? Why is this taking place? Why can't we fix it? And we can't change it. Oftentimes what we could do is we'll despair, we'll give up, Maybe for you, it's been reason for you to walk away from God, to lose faith in Him. But what was our second phrase? Havel and what? Under the sun. All of us live under the sun. And yet, we are all invited to not look under the sun for purpose and meaning, but rather to look above the sun. I read this in preparation. Philip Ryken in his book, Why Everything Matters, over the sun. Ecclesiastes shows us the weariness of our existence so that we will not expect to find meaning and satisfaction in earthly things, but only in God above. Ecclesiastes shows us our need for an above-the-sun perspective that brings joy and meaning to life. What if God has so ordained for Ecclesiastes to be a part of our Bible so that we can relate to the teacher's musings about the Havel of life and say, because I know life is filled with Havel, I'm not going to assign my meaning and my purpose to anything under the sun. I'm going to look above the sun to God. I'm going to actually look to the God who's above it. So I may have my unanswered question. I may not fully understand why life is going this way. And yet I'm not looking to it under the sun to give me any form of purpose or meaning or identity. I find that by looking above. C.S. Lewis, theologian, author, Narnia writer, says this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. If you're struggling today with the unanswered questions in life, instead of chasing down the answers to those questions, what if you went after the God who made you for something more? The God who said, I have a plan in this. See, this is, this is all of us. Quoheleth, the teacher, he's representing every single one of us today. We all ask, why bother? What's the point? Ah, under the sun, there's Havel. But when we fix our eyes above the sun, we find the one who has the meaning. So that's the first. Doesn't mean he gives us the answers. Because we still have to wrestle with unanswered questions. So we're going to discover two practical things we can do together. And before I share them with you, they may not be what you want to do. They may not be what I want to do. And yet, this is the life of a believer, and it is a blessed life. Here's what we find in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14. When times are good, what does he say to do when times are good? Be happy. Don't worry about a thing. 
because every little thing is going to be all right. He doesn't say the rest of that, because it may not, it may not be all right. It's Havel. But hey, the times are good. Just be happy. Some of you, that's all you need to hear this morning. You woke up. You're alive. You're here. Be happy. But when times are bad, rant and rave on Facebook. Consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that part at all. What do you mean I can't figure it out? My whole worldview is based on me trying to figure life out and put the right steps in place so I have the very best, most comfortable life ever. You don't try to figure it out? There are um, six stages to the grieving process. There was five, and now there's been this sixth that is added on. You'll see why if you're not familiar. But I would like to share this morning that um, the six stages of the grieving process that are recommended to us may not just have to do with grieving losses, but I would say the suggestion of how we might cope with Havel. The first stage being denial. So Havel happens. You plan for something, and it's not there, and you just deny reality. No, no, I just won't accept that. Can't be. We know people like that. You're people like that. I'm people like that. I'm more so a stage two kind of guy. Anger. Yep. Doesn't go my way. I get angry about it. Get upset. Don't understand this. Maybe some of you are stage three. You bargain. Havel happens. You bargain with God. You bargain with others. I'm just, I'm no, there's no way. I can't lose the job. I can't lose the person. I can't lose the promotion. No, no, no. Just bargain. Some stage four, depression. Just overwhelmed with despair. Crippled. Can't leave the house. Didn't expect it to go this way. I, this life is done. Then there's stage five. And it's the word acceptance. Finally, just accepting. Ah, this is what it is. And then stage six now is, is meaning. But I want to suggest this word here from Scripture, what we just read, because what did we just read? When times are good, be happy. And when times are bad, consider this. God made those times too. Accept it. The teacher is talking about the sovereignty and the control of God, that he's over all things. Do you think that for some reason God took vacation in 2020? That he just, it was all, totally off his radar, had no plan for your life or the world at all? It's like, I need a break. Let me do my thing for infinity. I'm taking a year off. We'll see what happens. They have an election. You know that, right? That's, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. That's not what he did. <laughs> Come on, he's God. Consider this. But that's hard. Because we like solutions. And we like to assign meaning to things. Now, if all we do is accept, we will have a church full of Eeyores. You met Eeyore? Oh, it's raining again. Finally going to be 60, but it's going to rain. I don't like my job. I don't have any friends. No one likes me. Eeyore. It's accepted. So we don't just accept as believers, and here's the hope, because I know this is the most downer message I've ever preached, but I'm just reading scripture, so blame Quoheleth, not me. We don't just accept, but rather we have this word, dependence. This is the fun part. This is the life of the believer. This is where the miracles start to happen. 
this is where the signs and wonders start to come. Because we try to assign meaning to something, but God says, if you could only understand what I have planned, it would blow your mind. Like, you can't even think or imagine what I'm about to do. Don't try to assign meaning to this. Just trust me. Romans 8, 28, he works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Depend on him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. God, I'm an American. I can't do that. <laughs> I got to figure it out. Trust me. Yeah, but why did this happen? Trust me. Yeah, I'm trying. Trust me. Accept life for what it is. Accept the Havel of life. And trust me. Let me share this with you. It came from my devotion time. When we are confused by what is taking place under the sun, we trust in the God who is above us. Because you're going to have those moments if you don't have them right now. You may have them this week where something will take place and it'll be Havel. Light a candle and blow it out. And it won't make sense. And there'll be confusion. And there'll be smoke. And there'll be a vapor. And in those moments, the invitation that comes to us is to trust the one who's above the sun. Now, I want to play a little bit with the English language because it allows me to. We've talked about the word sun, S-U-N. Did you know that above the sun, the Son of God, the S-O-N of God, came to us and walked among us under the sun and experienced the havel of life that you and I experience. John says he came and he dwelt among us. The author of Hebrews says he is familiar with our hardship and our temptation. We have a high priest that knows our pain. Did you know that he wept when his best friend died? It was Havel. Why did Lazarus die? He did. So he wept. And he came so that you and I might live differently. He came so that you and I would have an above-the-sun perspective and not attach our worth to anything under the sun. His words, John 10, 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And understand this, an abundant life is not a life free from the havel of under the sun living, but it is a life that says, I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And I know he's got a good plan. And I've got the hope of the resurrection. And I've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now living inside of me. And I'm watching him do things in my life that I'm calling miracles because only God could do what he's doing among the Havel. That is contentment. That is choose joy. That is why the teacher's words are for us. So let me ask you, because every single one of you have a Havel strategy right now. What's your strategy? How are you coping with Havel? Some of you, you binge the Havel away on the media. Some of you, you binge Havel away on alcohol. You numb the pain. Some of you forget about it and just bury yourself in your work. Others, it's just relationship after relationship after relationship. But all of us are invited to look above the sun, to find true identity, to find true meaning, to be, as Scripture says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Quoheleb said, nothing is new under the sun. <laughs> he didn't know that there's a God that makes new creations in Christ Jesus. 
He's just sharing with us what we would think is true under the sun. But we have one who comes to us. Now, this is great, kind of. It's also depressing. But this is great on a Sunday morning, sitting here. What are you going to do on Tuesday? What are you going to do tomorrow when you get to work and you find out things are different? What are you going to do if someone gets sick this week in your family? What are you going to do if a family member passes away? How are you going to then remember what we're discussing this morning? Can I share with you how I'm going to do it? Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, I'm going to be sitting in a circle with 11 other people in a small group. And for the next 10 weeks, I know that Havel is going to take place in my life. And I'm not going to face that on my own. Havelville. Is that a good thank you? I'm not going to. Clever. I'm going to face it with other people. So let me urge you as your pastor, the very best I can, no guilt, just a question. Why, if there's an opportunity for you to face the havel of life with others, why would you choose to face it on your own? What's, what's making that choice for you? You are. Why? What if for the next 10 weeks when havel happens, you say, well, I'm, I'm just, I know that my group will be there with me. I will show up to group and share, here's the havel of this week, and they will remind me to accept it and depend on the Lord, and we're praying with you, and we're trusting in God with you. Blazechurch.org slash group. And I'm going to use a word that's literal. There are a few spots left. Some of the groups are closed. People jumped on last week. You give people a donut, they'll do anything. So sign up. I'm going to show up this week. There's a few spots left in a couple. But please, when there's an opportunity for you to, just 10 weeks, could you imagine what God's going to do in 10 weeks' time? Let's not underestimate what the Lord can do in 10 weeks. Too often I overestimate what I can do and underestimate what he can do in 10 weeks. He could totally change you in 10 weeks. Consistency, learning to follow Jesus. Come on, we we have some awesome groups here for marriage, for men, for women. Like, let's trust him for 10 weeks and say, I'm not facing the havel of life on my own. And I have a group of people that accept it with me and lead me and depend on him. So next week we will continue. But this was... This was kind of a downer. I get that. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond with a louder song than we normally do. Because we can't do a soft song after this. People will be just, you know, praise, anger, and bargaining. We've got we to worship the Lord this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song called We Praise You. And there's a line in this song that we're going to sing. It says this, this is what living looks like. And as we sing that this morning, what I want you to remember is that living does not simply look like Eeyore acceptance of circumstances. Living looks like abundant living because I'm depending on the God who came to this world for me. It says even when you go through Havel, you understand you don't go through it alone. This is what living looks like. It's what freedom feels like, and it certainly is what heaven sounds like. Would you stand up with me as we get ready to worship our God together? Let me say a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word, and we thank you that you do not call us to face Havel on our own. First, your son came to this world. And God, in the moments where we want the plan, we have the planner before us. We've got the God who is with us. 
And you've given us one another, community, gospel-centered relationships. I pray that every person this morning makes a decision to be in a small group this week. God, we're going to worship you now. We're going to sing this out. We're going to fill this room with the praises of heaven, with joy, with celebration, with shouts of praise, that this is what living looks like because we have a God who said, I came so that you might have abundant life. In Jesus' name, we all said a good amen. And let's give God a good shout of praise right now. Come on, a good hand clap. I mean, give him your best praise as we face Havel. We do not face it on our own. Let's worship our God.